you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you here. We invite you, breathe on these words, O oh Lord, that we will hear it in such a way that our lives will be transformed, that we will not stay the same after hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to speak to you this morning about what I'm calling the most excellent way. The most excellent way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, verse 30 says, do, you, do, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with th tongues? Do all interpret, interpret tongues? And then he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. So he says, do what you can um, to earnestly desire the best gifts. And then in spite of all of that, he goes, on a, go, goes ahead and he says, and yet, I will show you a more excellent way. We have Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he's teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. And he's teaching, he, he says, in spite of how wonderful all of these wonderful gifts are that we have and uh, as, as the body of Christ, in spite of how great these gifts are, there is a more excellent way. We have been, we have been talking about how we are called to create. That's the series that we are digging into. And you know me, I don't like to rush off anything the idea uh, of teaching the Word of God is to bring understanding, is to bring revelation. It is not for entertainment. The Word of God is not for entertainment. The Word of God is for transformation. And it is impossible to transform a person by just teaching something once. Okay, That is why you spend three years or seven years at university in order to truly learn something. Um, and so I take my time in teaching the Word of God because the goal is not just an exciting service. The goal is transformation in your life. And so we've been looking at how we are called to create because it is in our DNA as children of the Creator. We are offsprings of Yahweh who is the one from whom everything emanates the one from the one who created all that there is and so we are we are we are also called just like he is to create in our world however i believe that as people who are who are alive to the spirit of god creativity is supposed to be is meant to be the reality of your life I have a message for you today, and that is that if you are in any kind of situation, just like your heavenly father, you can create a way. You know, it talks about our God, that he makes a way where there seems to be no way. I don't think that that is just a thing that God is able to do. His children are created with the ability of God to also make a way where there seems to be no way. We have the creative ability to create. We use God's power. We use God's insight. We use his grace. But all of that is in you. All of that is in, your is in, is in you as you are. Uh, and so we encourage you to understand that you can create create a way even where there seems to be no way. We can create systems of justice and righteousness. We can create wealth. Poverty does not have to be the story of your life. It is only those people who have not really seen what poverty can do that talk against wealth or talk against people creating wealth. But I truly believe that poverty 
doesn't have to be the story of your life. I was so reminded this week of how it is our moral responsibility to break free from poverty because I, I came across family who was really ill and they didn't have what it took to pay for their sickness. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I have a fresh determination that before I die, no one in my immediate family or extended family will have reason to be in that kind of situation again. Because without money, I'm telling you, you are stuck in situations. But God has enabled us. He has equipped us to be people who can create a way even where there seems to be no way. Are you listening to me? We don't have to believe that we are stuck. I don't have to believe that this is the case in my extended family. Even though it's my extended family, I don't have to believe that this is how it, it is just the way life is. And no, no, we can do something about it. We can give our lives to creating a future that looks much better than what we are currently experiencing right now in the name of Jesus. I really believe that. And so we don't have to believe that we are stuck. It is our, it is our, it is our right. It is our privilege. It is our responsibility to create. If you are in your world and you see something that is not quite what it should be, something that is off kilt with the word of God in your relationship, in your family, at your workplace, in your industry. We saw a couple of testimonies today of people seeing a gap and seeing something in their industry and beginning to do something about it and see how the favor of God is following them and opening those doors. This is our responsibility. Christians are not those who complain about what is not working. It is our, it is our, the joy that we have to see something in society, to see something in our families, to see something around that is not working, and we can tap into the wisdom of God to get a hold of the change that we need to get a hold of. And I am praying that every single one of us will take up the challenge of asking the question, what do I need to create in my time? Okay? This is the question I am asking everyone to really think about. What do I need to create around me? Instead of just spending your time thinking about how the world has made you a victim or how you are a victim of some injustice, we're not even denying that. I want you to change the narrative. And we change the narrative by starting to change the questions we ask ourselves. And an important question is, what can I create? in the life of my children? What can I create in my business? What can I create in my industry? What can I create in my community? What can I create in my world? Because you will not complain your way to a new future. You will need to create your way into a new future. Okay? You can spend time complaining. It will do your flesh good. But the only thing that makes a real change is when you make a decision. You believe, I am an offspring of Yahweh. I have the creative ability of God. I have faith. I have the wisdom of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When you embrace those forces of creativity, he will e equip you with all that is required to create the new that you are looking for. And so I really say to you, no, create your future. Don't complain about the present. Utilize your present now to create the future. It is in our realms. We can do this. Come on, put it in the comment section. We can do this. Amen. Because I believe that that's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants to use you and me to create solutions that our world needs. He wants to use, he wants to use us to give us the answers, give our world answers 
The world is asking so many questions, and we have answers, and we ought to be those who are seeking those answers. And so we've been looking at forces of creativity, and we've looked at faith. These are just underlying forces um, of creativity. We've looked at faith. We've looked at righteousness. We've been looking at wisdom, how we need the wisdom of God and how Jesus has become for us that wisdom. And today I'm, one, I, I, I'm going to continue to look at love. We started to look at love last time, how love is also a, a, a force of creativity. In fact, I believe this is the force that we need to, every other thing is undergirded. Like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, chapter 22, every other thing is undergirded by the law of love. Every law of life. He's speaking to the Pharisees and, and, and to, the, to, to lawyers, the Jewish lawyers, who to them, the whole of life is encompassed or is encapsulated in the laws and in the words of the prophets. And Jesus says that the law and the prophets hang on this law, which is the law of love. And so I want to encourage you to engage love. And this is what Paul is, is doing here. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us all the different gifts. I will leave you. Can I give you homework? Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a powerful scripture. If you want to know how to operate in unity, how we are called as the body of Christ, go read that scripture. But Because that's what Paul is telling us right now. That's what Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians 12. He tells us that there are different gifts. There, are, there is a gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues. He talks about how we are all diverse with these different gifts, but that we all make up the body of Christ. That's what he's talking about in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then he reminds us that we are not insignificant, that we are different. But we are not insignificant. Come on, someone put in the comment section, I am not insignificant. I am different, but I am not insignificant. Because he talks about, he says, imagine the eye saying I am of no use or the finger saying I don't need the toe. I'm using paraphrases now, but that's what he talks about. And he challenges, he challenges our idea of what we think is significant. And I really want to encourage you, please know you are significant. You are absolutely significant. You know, in this room right now, it's not just me who is ministering to you. We got people on sound. We got people in the, behind the scenes. We got people taking pictures. Okay, we got, I just posed for a picture right there. We, we got people, <laughs> we got people behind the camera. We got people playing music. All of this is aiding to ministering to you. None of them is more important than the other. We're all different roles, but very significant. And it's the same thing in life. Sometimes you can buy the idea that because you don't have the microphone, you are not significant. That is a lie from the pit of hell. This is the lie that the world publicizes because the world encourages fame and encourages, you know, yeah, puts fame on the pedestal. But the reality is that greatness does not equal fame. Not every great person is famous. Are you listening to me? And so it is important that you know you are significant. You are part of the body of Christ. You matter. Amen. You jumping on this link is important. You being a Making, making the time to comment in the comment section, to click on the button, to like, to share. You are significant. It matters. 
it makes a difference. You might not be able to compute, but it matters. And Paul is talking about all of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, how we are different parts, but we are the body of Christ. Think about that for a second. We make up the body of Christ. You are a necessary part. This is what he was saying, that we are a necessary part of the body of Christ. And so that is why we cry when somebody else is crying. If my toe hurts, my brain will leave you alone right now. My mouth will go down. My hands will grab. Are you listening to me? Everything in my body really reaches down to make sure that that part of my body is taken care of. And so Paul is talking about unity and this. So it's so powerful what he's saying because the anointing flows in the united place. He says in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms talks about how, how, how great it is when brethren dwell together in unity. How that the anointing flows from the, from the head all the way down and, and, and the enablement, we are much able to accomplish the will of God when we are united. And so Paul is talking about the unity, he's talking about how powerful this is, talking about how significant we are, talking about all of these things, how we care for one another, how we are more effective as the body of Christ and how powerful, you know, how God, the Holy Spirit has given us the gifts, the, the gift of tongues, the gift of miracles, the gift of healings, all these things that we count dear. But after all of that, as powerful as all of that is, Paul says, I'm going to still show you a more excellent way. He says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. When the scripture talks about an excellent way or a more excellent way, what he's really saying is, I'm going to show you a more superior way. Okay? I'm going to show you a more superior way. Do, do I need to pose for the picture? I think, I think I make too many faces when I'm preaching, so it's difficult for them to get a picture to use. So maybe I should just put, guys, just bear with me. I'm going to pose for a moment whilst they get the picture. I'm, uh, 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 do I need to pose for a picture? Are we good? I'm going to pose for a picture because I know I make too many faces when I preach. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, we got that. We got that. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Praise God. So, so when you study that, don't judge me, folks. Come on, just have a laugh when you're here, okay? Don't, 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 um, don't be too serious. Okay, so look at this. Um, uh, so Paul is teaching all of this. C come back to the scripture. Paul is teaching all of this. <laughs> He's teaching all of these things. And, and he says, as great as all of those things are, I'm going to show you a more superior way. Please pay attention. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Don't miss what, he, what he's saying here. He's saying all of these things, the unity, the gifts, all of that is powerful. All of that is necessary for the accomplishment of the will of God. But he says something powerful, yet I will show you a more superior way. I will show you a higher way. Another translation says, it is a way that is beyond comparison. It is, when the scripture talks about a, 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 a higher calling, when the scripture talks about a superior way, he is really talking about a higher calling, something that is greater. You know, it's like you can go to, let me put it this way, you can go to Birmingham, you can walk to Birmingham if you wanted to. You can drive, you can cycle to Birmingham if you wanted to. You can drive to Birmingham if you wanted to. But you know there is a more superior way you can fly to Birmingham. 
and all, and all of them will get you to your destination, but they won't get you in the same way. Okay? And that's what he's talking about. And if we want to even go deeper, you, could, you can be transported like Philip, even beyond flying, where you just move from here and you are there. It is a more superior way. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying we have all of these gifts that enable us to do so much as the body of Christ. Yet, I want to show you a far superior way. I want to show you a way that is beyond comparison. I want to show you a higher way. Ladies and gentlemen, even before I go ahead, what I am trying to say to you is that the way of love is a higher way. The way of love is a more superior way. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying what you're doing is not good. What you're doing is not working. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that the way of love is the highest, is the most superior way. Because he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, remember he was talking about tongues, in 1 Corinthians 12. But he says, if I don't have love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Think about that for a second. That you have the ability to pray in tongues, but you don't have love. You are not undergirded by love. He says it's just as noisy as a clanging cymbal. And he says, although I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains. How, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all want? To operate in faith that moves mountains. Faith that changes things. We want to have the gift of prophecy. We, are, we want to understand mysteries and have all the knowledge that we need. But Paul says, if I have all of that and I don't have love, he says, I am nothing. He says, and, and though I bestow all my goods to the poor, even if I do all the good things, you know, I, I give to the poor. I sell my home and I give it to the poor and I take a picture and I post it on Instagram and it goes viral and I'm invited to all the shows and to talk about how good I am. But the scripture says, if I have not love, it says, although I bestow my goods to feed the poor and, and though I give my body to be burned, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Listen carefully to what Paul is saying. Love is the force that gives meaning to everything. Put it in the comment section. Love is the force that gives meaning to everything. Without love, there is no meaning. You know, we're talking about how we are called to create, and we're talking about all the things that God is calling you to create in your world, but I need you to understand that if your desire to create that business, to create a relationship that works, your desire to create systems of justice and righteousness, your desire to change policies, to impact culture to, 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 to bring your family out of poverty, if it is not undergirded by love, it has no real meaning. Amen? Your tongues, without love, your tongues of men and tongues of angels are just noise. It means nothing. It is, you're just clanging, just, just, just kind of clogging up the atmosphere with noise. That's what it is. When we pray in tongues, it's just like when I see people praying in tongues, 
to, for another person to die, you are just making noise. You are making noise. It is not possible. That is not how love works. Okay, and we'll talk about love later. We'll talk about what love looks like in practice because the whole book of 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. Amen? But love is the underlying force. Your gift of prophecy is only meaningful when it is undergirded by love. All of the things you know, all the books you, you have read, all the degrees you have, all the accolades that you have collected means absolutely nothing if it is not undergirded by love. Okay? The good deeds you get, the good deeds you did, the money you gave to the homeless person this morning as you went to buy milk and on your way you saw this homeless person and you took a picture whilst you were giving them, it means nothing. Amen. We, we live a, 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 in a world of optics. In a world of optics where reality is not a matter of what happened. Reality is a matter of what you can convince people of. That's the world we live in. That's why, you know, you getting your, news, your, your, your information from the news, you are just a customer. <laughs> when you watch the news and you believe what you get in the news. Now, please watch the news. I'm not a I watch the news. But I'm telling you, you better go before God to hear what thus says the Lord. Because you will just be a customer. That's what the news is. News is not in your favor. They're not there to offer you a real service. They're there to sell, to make money by controlling the minds. If, they can, if I can tell you what to think... I can control everything. I can, I can tell you what to buy. I can tell you what to wear. You know, somebody's going to show up in two months now and say, black is no longer, is no longer black. Somebody's going to show up and say, no, we, we no longer wear these, these kinds of jackets anymore. Amen? Because somebody just wakes up and change, changes the narrative. I'm going to leave that alone. That's not where I'm going. But Paul is saying, <laughs> Paul is saying all of these things, if they're not undergirded by love, if our gift of prophecy, if our gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the word of knowledge that we have, the ability to get, the thing that you, your gift to sing or whatever it is that you have the creative, your gift with numbers, your, your gift with people, any of those things you consider to be a gift in your life. He says it needs to be undergirded by love. And that's why Paul says that in spite of all of these things that we look at and the power of all of these things in 1 Corinthians 12, I want to show you a must, a, a most excellent way, a far superior way. In fact, I'll go ahead and say that the way of love is the way that we are designed to live by. God has designed you and I to truly live by love. All of these gifts were um, all of these gifts were gifts that are given to the New Testament believer to thrive in their faith, to change their world. But these gifts were supposed to be lived out by love. Love is the way that we use these gifts in. Do you see what I mean? You know, um, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, if someone gives you a car as a gift, the idea is that you drive the car on the road. If you bring the car into your house and try to drive it, you have a gift, but it is in the wrong place. 
it doesn't work to its fullness. You might, even if you, you might have a big house that you can drive it around, you will still be limited with that gift. But when you use the gift in the space that it is designed to, you get the most out of it. It is the same thing with every gift that we have. It is designed to operate in love. Your gift of prophecy, your gift of faith, your gift of healing, your gift of compassion, your gift of whatever it is that you have, it is designed to operate in love. Okay? In love. You see, even God lives this, by this excellent way. Even God lives by this excellent way. I, I want to read something. Um, I think it was, it was um, Napoleon Bonaparte who said this a long time ago. It, it moved me a long time ago. He says, um, it, it talks about, he says, Alexander, Caesar, um, um, Charlemagne, ha, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Or how did we found our empire? He says, we, we used force. Okay? But he says, Jesus Christ, this is Napoleon Bonaparte saying this, he says, but Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And, and, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. You see, God is the ultimate king. You know? He is the king of all kings. If you want to talk about uh, forces, he, he, he has a host of heaven. You know, one angel showed up in the, in the Old Testament and one angel, one single angel stood in that, in that field and slew 70,000 men. One angel. And, and the scripture talks about Jesus being the commander of the host of heaven's armies. Think about that for a second. He said, you know, I could, I could call down a legion of angels right now. For you if, you, if you, if you are looking for that, I can bring down a legion of angels. But guess what? He doesn't do that. If God, you know, if God showed up right now, if God showed up in your bedroom right now, you will bow. Do you get that? You know, if God showed up, if God showed up in his glory, or if he, let me not say in his glory, because if he showed up in, your, in his glory, you couldn't stand, we couldn't stand. If, he, if his little finger came into your bedroom, you couldn't stand, you will bow. But do you know why he doesn't do that? He gives, because real love gives you the option to choose. That's why he doesn't show up in this fool. He only usually shows up in, in, in special circumstances. Because he, he wants to give you the option to choose him. That's what love looks like. He could have come with force. He could have bent your arm. He could have forced you into a relationship with him, but he didn't. He could have terrorized you. This is a God who can command bees to chase you. This is a God who can say to Pharaoh, you know what? I'm going to send frogs to, come to flog in, flood your house. And every frog will obey God because even the frogs know who is Lord. But he gives you and I the option to choose him because he realizes that even though I have all of those ways to bend the will of man, the most excellent way is love. The most excellent way to do this is love. I'm trying to say you have so many ways that you can accomplish the will of God for your life. 
You have so many ways that you can become successful. You have so many ways that you can treat this relationship. There are so many answers that you can give to your spouse, to your children, to this financial situation you're dealing with. But I want to suggest that the most excellent way is in the way of love. John 15, 13 said this. Greater love has, this is Jesus saying this, by the way, not John. He says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. No wonder Jesus says that the law of love is the greatest. Even God himself operates with the law of love. In God's economy, he has set up the world in such a way that it operates through law. Uh, through love. The laws that govern your finances. The laws that govern relationship. The laws that govern your purpose in life. The laws that govern parenting. The laws that govern your work. The laws that govern every aspect of your life. If those things will go, will mature, will become everything God has called them to be, they will need to operate through love. On the other hand, if you find anything that is struggling, if you find, they even say, even a plant, you can revive a plant by showing it some love. By just deciding, I'm going to take the time. Because love is action. Love is, are, are things that you dedicate yourself to doing. By choosing even a plant that is dying in your home, the moment you choose to give it time and start pouring water, not too much water, just enough water, the moment you give it time to start cutting off the leaves that have died, putting it in a place where it can get sunlight, you show it love, it starts to grow. Everything that is struggling in our life, in our society, in our world, it will come back alive when we operate in love. When we find the real scriptural meaning of operating in love. Because the way of love is the most excellent way. It is the most excellent way. What do you need to get done in your life? What do you need to, what do you want to see happen? All I'm doing today is to get you to begin to ask this question. Is, is how do I accomplish this in love? Okay? That's the question. That's the question. We don't have time to go through everything. And I might just take my time this month to just really talk about love. Because it is so important that you embark on whatever you are embarking on. You're starting a business. If you, are, if you are branching out into something, if you are, you are wanting to enhance your relationship, you want to do better with your children, I want you to start to ask this question, how do I do this in love? That's the question I want to persuade you to embrace today because the reality is, according to scripture, God confirms this by acting in love. He so loved the world. That he gave himself. He says, I'm going to choose the ultimate expression of love, which is the surrender of oneself for another. That's what John 15, 13 is saying. That there is no greater love than this, than a man laying down his life for his friend. This is the Jesus that could control your mind and make you love him by force. This is the Jesus that can force you. If he shows up in his glory, he decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love you into, into loving me, into giving your life for me. Are you with me? 
And so if you find anything that is, that, that is, that, that, that is not working in your life, an unhappy person, a, a relationship that is not working, a purposeless career. Um, um, uh, you know, now, now, I have to say this because we have this idea of love being, I'm just going to take whatever, okay? I'm going to be without boundaries. That is not what I'm saying. Please do make sure that you run and you investigate in Scripture. Stay with us as we dig into all of this. The world has this idea that love is this kind of thing, you know, this kind of mushy feeling. Emo love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a decision. And by the way, the reality is love is too big to be defined because love itself Love himself is God. And you can't, you can't limit God to a definition. We have experiences of, God, of love which we can express. But that is not all that love is. Love is emotion. Love is action. Love is decision. Love is discipline. Love is rebuke. Love is boundaries. Love means so much because God means so much. Okay? So whenever we talk about walking in love, we're not saying walk in an emotion. We're really saying, how do I do this in God? Okay? That's why love never fails. Because love is God. Love is the way of healing. Remember Numbers 21. Numbers 21, the people were bitten by snakes and they were sick. And God told Moses, put up the snake a representation of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus on the cross is, a, is, a, is the ultimate expression of love. If we are going to learn about love, let's look at Jesus. Don't look at your ex. Okay? Because some of us, our experience of love, we're going back to our father, we're going back to our mother, we're going back to our grandfather. Some of you are going back to that ex. You know that one that you feel is the one that got away? Okay? They are not Jesus, you know. Okay, so, so leave your ex alone. They didn't know what love is. All right? So, so if you want to understand what love is, let's look for Jesus. And he expressed, he ultimately demonstrated love on the cross. When Jesus was on that cross, that was the ultimate demonstration of love. And healing came from that, from, 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 from that expression of love. Okay? Because love is a way of healing. It is a way of restoration. When God was looking to restore the world back to himself, what did he use? He came by love. He utilized love. That's what Napoleon Bonaparte is recognizing here, that when, he, when, when Jesus came, Jesus has built an empire, not in the world, but he has built an empire in the hearts of men. Until this very hour, men would still give their lives for him. Because the way of love is the most excellent way. We look to him, we ask that question. Do I want, how, how, do I, how do I operate in love? Because love is a way of healing. And so these people are sick and most, and God says, turn to the, look at, look at the love of God. I really do believe that in every aspect of your life and in my life, 
where you are dealing with something, an ailment, it doesn't even matter how the ailment came about, if you will turn and you will start to look at God's expression of love for you, this will be the beginning of a turnaround. A turnaround is happening when instead of thinking about what they have done to you and how they have hurt you and you are meditating on the hurt and the thing that they did, if you will change your mind and start to look at what Christ has done for you, if you start to evaluate his love for you, how he demonstrated his love for you even whilst you were yet a sinner, you will find that your healing will come. I want to speak to somebody who is really bitter because what they did to you really, really hurt you and they have refused to even acknowledge that what they did carries the weight that it carries. I want to say that you are not trapped in their weaknesses. You are not trapped in their failure to recognize their, the error of their ways. If you will look away from them and look to your Lord Jesus Christ on that cross expressing his love for you, your healing will come. He will remove that bitterness from your heart because that bitterness is like I don't know when we were, it's, I don't, it's evil, it's like poison in your heart. I was going to use a gross example, but we have vegetarians here. It's like, it's like poison in your heart. You know, there's a part of the, the, the chicken that when they're cutting out the chicken, they have to be careful so that, so that they don't burst that part of it. Because if you do, it just spreads all over the chicken and it ruins the chicken, makes it bitter. Okay? It's in different animals. So those who, who cut them up know how to look for those things and cut it out is the same thing that I'm seeing for you. Because of what you have experienced, you are allowing this bitterness to spread. The reality is it is there. They did do what they did. But I want you to look to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Turn your face to him. Meditate on him because love is the way of healing. Love is the way of war. Love is also the way of war. You know, we don't, we don't, it's not either we, you know, I know that there is a song that go, there is, I think, I don't know if it's a song or a phrase that, that talks about making love, not war. I don't think it's either war or love. You know, when Jesus was demonstrating his love on the cross, that was war. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, he says, He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. How did he do this? By triumphing over them on the cross. Glory be to God. You see, you would have thought, and this is what this is the mistake that the disciples were making. They thought that when the, when the Messiah would come, that the Messiah will come with a sword. The Messiah will come riding on a donkey. The Messiah will come violently to overthrow the Roman Empire, to turn things around. But the Messiah knew that there was a more excellent way than to fight this battle than by violence or by the sword and he chose the way of love and right there on that cross he disarmed every principality every power if you are facing a battle this morning if you are facing a battle for your health if you are facing a battle for your relationship a battle for your finances a battle in life in general i want to encourage you to understand that the way of love is the way that we fight we don't fight or love we love we fight by love did you get that we don't either fight or love. No, we fight by love. I was speaking with a wonderful woman of God this week who reminded me of this. 
you know, in conversation. We don't fight by by you know by we don't. It's not. It's not. It's not. I do I fight or do I love? No, no. We we fight by love. Are you listening to me? So we will fight for our children. We will fight for our relationships. We will fight for our communities. We will fight for the will of God to be seen in our world. We will fight, but we fight the way of love. We're not going to sit down and watch the enemy wreak havoc in our relationships or in our lives, but we fight the way of love. Okay? The way of love is the way of war also. Let me read the last one. It's also the way of faith. We, we've looked at this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, For in, in, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Uh, our faith, our confidence that God will move only works through love. Okay? It works through love. I want to call you today to the most excellent way. That's what I'm calling you today. I'm calling you to look for what, what is the most excellent way. And, and we know it is love. What I'm asking now is, is make this your prayer. Father, in this situation that I want to see changed, in this situation in my industry, in this situation in my life, give me wisdom to walk in the most excellent way. Okay? Are you listening to me this morning? Father, I just release the wisdom of God over your people. I release the grace of God over your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will find the way of love. That we will battle through every kind of cloudiness, every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, every fear. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that, you're, that we will start to seek out your love. We will start to seek out your love. And through your love, you will guide us. You will guide us to the way that you have called us to go. Hallelujah. Praise God. You will guide us to your perfect will. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to talk about as we go along receiving the love of God. Because a lot of our ability to operate in love depends on whether we have received the love of God. I'm just laying a foundation and saying that the way that you and I need to look to walk by is the way of love. Hallelujah. The way of love. The way of love. You know, your heavenly father, um, I've said this in times past. I've said this so many times. I've, I've taught it. I've preached it. How Jesus is our covering. And that's so true. He is our covering. And and I remember teaching in times past how it is the case that God, when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. And this week, I, was, I realized that that's not true. You know what? He is El Roy. He is a God who sees you. Amen? He knows you. The scripture does not teach that he doesn't see you. The scripture teaches that Jesus has made you the righteousness of God. You know, just like Jesus, when, when, when Jesus was being punished for your sin and my sin on the cross, God didn't see, God knew that that was his son. He knew that that was Jesus who was being punished. Amen? 
now, when God is blessing me, he knows that it is me. He knew he was punishing Jesus, not because Jesus had sinned. But now, do you know what? God is blessing Cheeto, not because he is unaware of my sins, but because he knows that Jesus has paid for it. I say that so you understand that this God we serve really does love you. It is impossible for him to love you. In fact, let me put it this way. You can't really love somebody that you don't really see. I'm not talking about physical eyes now. I'm talking about in order to, to really love somebody, you've got to see their plight. You've got to see them. You've got to know where they are. And our God, he's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your weaknesses. He's not ashamed. Jesus himself, the scripture says, he's not ashamed to call you brethren. You know, I used to hide under the idea that, well, God is not seeing me. He's only seeing Jesus. No, he sees Cheeto. He knows that he only can see Cheeto without judging him because of Jesus. We, are, we, we all know that it's scripture. But God sees you. I need somebody to know today that God sees you. That you are not just a random name or a random number. That God knows your name. He knows your pain. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failures. But he loves you. He loves you so much. He sees you. Okay? He sees you. I'll say it again. He sees you. Hallelujah. I, 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 I want you to know that he sees you. He doesn't love us collectively. He loves us collectively, but he loves, loves us individual. I love my children. Yeah? If you ask me, Chido, do you love your children? I'd say yes, because I love them collectively, but I love my children individually. I look at them and I see them. I know their quirks. I know their weaknesses, and I love them the same. It's the same with your heavenly father. So you need to know he loves you. Okay? We'll talk about this later on as we go along. But I needed somebody to know that your heavenly father sees you. He is El Roi. He sees you. He is not ashamed of you. He is not afraid of your sin. He is not afraid of your failure. He is not afraid of your weakness. He sees you. He knows you. He is not ashamed of you. Okay? This is why we can afford to yield ourselves to him. If you want to get born again, this is a God who is not asking you to come into a system of religion. It's a God who is bringing you into his personal family. You tuned into this message today because God wanted you to know that he sees you. He knows you by name. How amazing is that? So I encourage you. If you have never made Jesus the Lord, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we'd love to pray with you. Could you bow your head where you are? All you're doing now is accepting the love that God has for you and accepting what he did on that cross for you. And if you can do this, the scripture tells us your name is forever written in the Lamb's book of life. You never need to worry about hell. You never need to worry about what will happen afterwards. The best part is even here on earth, you have access to the God who is everything to guide you through life. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. This morning, I heard that you love me. I heard that your death on the cross was a demonstration of your love for me. 
Today, I accept what you did for me. I call you the Lord of my life. I ask you to take authority over my life. Lead me, Lord, into your perfect will. Use me, Lord, for your glory. I give my life for your service. Thank you, Lord, that because of my faith in you, according to Scripture, I am born again. Hallelujah. I belong to the family of God. Praise God. Well, if you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Will you help me in the comment section? Let's just give God praise for anyone who, uh, who, who might have said that.